on the Gravidile podcast this week. I am pleased to be joined by Friction. He's a part of the team over at Calc Finance. And we have this continuous theme going on right now where I keep speaking to all of the Kujira projects coming on. We had local money on, or at least I recorded a conversation with Sam over there last week. Uh, we also had Dove on way back when. And then we're having friction on today. And then I think well, we have to get Black Whale on to complete the uh, <laughs> complete the cycle here. But anyways, Friction, thank you so much for coming on this week. Yeah, thank you very much. Mate, don't forget about Atlo Protocol as well and a few others. A lot of exciting things coming on on Kajura. But yeah, appreciate you having us. We're super excited to, uh, to chat all things Calc and this general DeFi and Kajura. Yeah, looking forward to it. And before we jump into Calc and Kujira and DeFi and all the great things that you guys are interested in looking at, do you mind just providing listeners a background of yourself, how you got involved in the crypto space, where your journey took you, how you ended up in Cosmos Chains and Kujira and providing a service like Calc, basically just, just give an outline of your whole story. Yeah, cool. I can do that. Maybe we can go maybe the, maybe we go the three minute version. Um, so up to you, honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No worries. We can, we can touch on this. Um, so you might be thinking to yourself, weird accent. Where's this guy from? Um, it's actually originally born in Australia, grew up in America till I was maybe seven or eight, back to Australia, um, over to Europe for a while, lived in the UK for a bit, and then um, back to Oz and currently in Europe at the moment. But essentially, uh, back in uni days even, I um, studied computer science and geology, which is probably a strange mix. I still think it's a bit of a strange mix. Um, started as an exploration geologist, top of my class for economic geology. I was like, yeah, definitely what I want to do. Um, until I started working, I realized essentially finding a place to to destroy the environment, to dig a giant hole, to make a few people rich. So I figured, you know, not really aligned with me. What else can I do? So I moved more to the tech side, got into the software engineering and then front-end development. Then I moved from there into consulting. Um, so working in consulting for, for a number of years, essentially with a bunch of um, big clients around Australia and, and Asia. Um, and that kind of moved me more from the front end space into the UX UI design space, because I was always curious of like, okay, instead of just building this, like why are people using it? And then moved a bit higher up. What's a strategic angle around this and moving more to the customer side and then the product side. Um, so I ended up starting my own freelance company, again, working for some larger companies around strategic design, product, user research, et cetera. And then moved into the startup scene maybe about four, about four years ago or so. And then that was really around uh, lean startup, again, go to market strategies, product development, et cetera. Um, that's sort of my web two experience and been continuing to work in web two for quite a bit, doing some mentoring, some freelance, um, and working a few different startups. Uh, but then the crypto side of things, maybe I'm not really proud to admit it, but my first entrance to crypto was, uh, was XRP back in, I think hey. 2018 and <laughs> 2019. I um I think actually I maybe had a quick view of Dove's interview and he said the same thing you know did what most people did buying at the top everyone I was working with I was consulting at a bank at the time I'm like this thing's going to the moon look how much money everyone's making I'm like yeah I'll buy on as well not really understanding the drivers behind it and you know what impact it, it could actually have uh, so fast forward I took a bit of time off I uh, didn't get too heavily involved after the crash and kind of just set it there and let it go and then um came back to it because a few of my good friends as well were pretty interested in, and then I uh, started you know, digging a little bit deeper, digging a little bit deeper, and then really fell in love with Terra. Um, I found the, the actual use case and the fact that, you know, it's no longer a vacuum that UST was aiming to be in a decentralized money. I thought that was really appealing. Um, so yeah, I just dug deeper, met a lot of people, made some good friends. A lot of my really good friends jumped on board and kept going. Um, 
we're actually, you know, and then obviously naturally working in a tech space in Web2 and then really an interest in, in the DeFi side of things after doing some writing and a bit of articles, we had a few different ideas around a pilot. Um, we're actually building something on the side that really in stealth that we didn't announce, but post Terra collapse, that kind of all fell to pieces. Um, so it's essentially phased up until, you know, post that we kind of reassessed like, well, that idea is not going to work. You know, um, what's something we really learned from there? I think that comes down to kind of why we're building Cap. So maybe I can touch on that now. Yeah, please go ahead. Beautiful. Let it flow. Um, so Kelp, short for calculated. Um, essentially, you know, we learned some really hard lessons from the Terra days. You talk about you know, poor diversification, poor risk management, getting married and emotional to your bags. You, know, you hear people saying, oh, I was diversified in, in UST and the Terra alts. <laughs> Portfolio 95% Terra, you know, um, it didn't really work out that well. So it was a, it was a pretty tough lesson. You know, and then us as a, a good close friendship group, we said, you know, what can we do here? We can kind of panic and do nothing. We can let everything go and quit, or, you know, we can do what we normally do, just head down and build. Um, and then the mission behind that is like, okay, how, can we build a product and can we build a protocol that enables people to learn the lessons that we learned without having to go through the same thing? So I guess, you know, hypothetically, um, not even hypothetically, practically, Kelk is a tool to remove emotions from from trading, the hardest part of cryptocurrency, really. Um, so, you know, breaking down FOMA, breaking out of emotions, um, thinking more longer term around proper diversification, etc. Um, so practically what that looks like in our initial set of MVP will be around um, the realm of dollar cost averaging in and out of positions. Um, so both on the accumulation side, but then also on the take profit side with that longer lens. Um, we've got exciting things that we can, we can touch on. Maybe we can talk about the roadmap later on. But uh, essentially, that's a driving factor. Um, so paired with that, we're also releasing um, a tweet th a thread series called Calculated Thinking. Essentially, it's just breaking down things like FOMO, herd mentality, uh, loss aversion, et cetera. Um, mm. Again, just to inform and educate as many people as we can. Yeah, that, that's that's quite the, uh, the overarching journey you had there. Starting off with the geology and computer science dual degree. Um, I, <laughs> I've never heard of that combo before, to be honest with you. I wouldn't call it weird. I think, I think it's pretty cool. I mean, there's, there's going to be application crossover there too, which I think is, is nice, but yeah, that, that, that's really a quite, quite the educational background. And then shifting that into your, your web two experience and then into your web three experience. And, uh, as has been with many of the guests who come on the show included myself included, um, with the terror collapse, you know, we saw a lot of learning lessons come out of that. Um, you know, really for me, it, it made me go a step beyond where I thought I could. It made me go a step beyond in my due diligence processes. And it, it really, it really brought home the fact that, you know what, these systems are inevitably fragile. And this was my first true bear market for me personally. Like I got involved, I think, what was it? It was late. It was early 2020, right? Or like late 2019, early 2020 when I was like actually even paying attention but not even involved regardless. But like I thought these systems like, oh, yeah, this will this will work. This will be fine. Uh, and UST was really the, the big wake up call for me where it's like, OK, I don't know nearly as much as I thought I did. Um, and it was a wake up call and there's so much opportunity and I'm glad to see projects coming out of that, taking inspiration from those lessons and going on. And then, as you mentioned with the education aspect as well, a uh, big thing, I think DeFi, the DeFi space is going to need, especially for retail users going forward, um, is continuing to educate people on the risks, uh, what certain definitions are, what certain processes are, um, basically just an all around more active involvement of saying, okay, like 
these things are risky and here's what that means because instead of saying you know just not financial advice or, or the kind of more blanket statements um you know it, it doesn't it doesn't quite doesn't quite hit the same i guess say but anyways moving into a bit of calc and what where you guys stand right now um so yeah you just just go just go a little bit deeper into the dollar cost averaging idea some of the issues you're trying to solve maybe even put it in the use case of a, of a retail investor you know what does it mean to dollar cost average in and out of positions? Um, why do you think that's important? And then I think transition that into some of the issues you currently see in the broader DeFi and crypto space. Yeah, can do for sure. Maybe we can get to that. I think uh, maybe a fun fact, the only cool thing, not even cool, maybe not cool for me, to come out of the geology degree is all my friends just thinking, nah, look at those rocks. You know, if I would be really keen to uh, check them out. Not the case. Anyway, <laughs> back to Kel. So... Yeah, maybe I'll break it down. Um, we can kind of talk about the product suite uh, of what we're building, and then maybe we move to the use case and post that. We can talk about the problems we're trying to solve. Sounds great. So as mentioned, um, our MVP product coming to market will be around dollar cost averaging. Um, we actually have two dollar cost averaging products. Um, one that will be released ready for MVP, and one will come a little bit down the line, and I'll talk about that second one in a moment. Um, but the first one really is taking a very long and true and tried investing methods, dollar cost averaging, and enabling users essentially to customize that um, with you know, a lot of different options. Um, now you might say to me, okay, dollar cost averaging, buying a set amount every set period over time, now how is that actually performing versus if you have a lump sum upfront? You know, typically if it's markets up only and you have the capital, it's actually typically better to put all the capital into the market immediately. Um, but as you know, crypto is quite volatile. Uh, and on top of that, you know, you end up people employing terrible strategies, buy high and, and eventually sell low because of lack of confidence in the product, buying high because the hype and speculations around there, again, being driven by the early token holders of that asset. So we kind of want to remove that emotional barrier. So we have, again, for the MVP, at the moment, you can bring stable coins, you can set up a strategy, let's say you want to DCA into, let's just keep it Kajura focused for now. Um, so you can move, let's say, AXA USDC or USK. Um, you can say you want to buy every set period, um, again, to the more uh, power users, we enable some advanced options. So if the price pumps a certain amount per day, maybe skip the buy or skip the sell in that case. Um, maybe you don't want to start DCAing until a certain price is hit. We can set that up until a certain, a certain date is hit. We can set that up. If you want to trade on the Asia premium, the US premium to buy or sell, we can set that up as well. Um, and then phase two, again, Cal performs all the purchases and the swaps for you. And then you might say to me, you know, why is that different from Binance, for example? You know, they've got that function. Crypto.com got that function. Um, so we feel like, you know, one, even ignoring the, the decentralized component of it, um, you know, we all saw it happen to Celsius. And beyond that, the fact of being on chain, we can start leveraging DeFi composability, which is the, the real strength of why DeFi is popular, right? Mm -hmm. So not only are you going to take that asset, buy that asset, and leave it on exchange, right? We can 10x the value by you know, buying that asset and then doing something with it automatically for you. So a really simple use case might be, again, to Kajura, you want to buy some Kajura, we might auto stake that on your behalf. Um, you don't have to worry about it. You know, if you don't want to think about it, you can set up an initial, maybe even come back next full run and you'll be okay. Um, then the second component is, you know, an integration with Cardo money. So we're very much aligned in, uh, you know, there's always a tweet going around about break up with your bad sex life. Um, so we'll be... Not for MVP, we're still waiting for Axo to finish the uh, general message passing module. Uh, but as soon as that's done, we'll have a full integration in. So you can actually go from your bank accounts, automatically reoccurring payments onto the smart contract of Calc. We'll do all the purchasing for you. We'll do the what next component of it. 
um, and then literally set and forget. As a retail investor, that's perfect. You know, a lot of people come to the space and get super overwhelmed, like download Discord, Telegram, Twitter, what's happening here? What's alpha mean? Trying to Google different terms. Um, so we kind of want to remove that from, from the scene and just make it simple to, uh, to get exposure and involvement at a very acceptable um, risk level as well. So it's a DCA in, and then on the flip side, the DCA out, I mean, you can take profit. Um, so we try to have a few small things around referring to the fear and greed index of, you know, when it might be an ideal time to employ this strategy. Uh, but essentially, you know, coming back to more of the Cosmos, I was at Cosmoverse recently, and you know, everything's about interchain queries, interchain accounts, IBC, et cetera. Um, so we won't be limiting to you know, a particular strategy that's being built on Kajura. We might, you might want to use spin to swap from, I don't know, let's say Ethereum, and then you want to DCA out of Ethereum into a, a different asset, into Atom or into a stable coin. And then you might want to take that stable coin and then move that into, um, I don't know, a stable yield in yield moss, for example. Um, so eventually the end state is going to very much support that interchain queries, interchain account setup where you, know, you might want to auto stake your Atom on the Atom network. How can we support that? So I guess coming back to, again, that's a first product. And then the second element of that is we actually have been running a lot of backtesting um, on a, what we're calling DCA plus, but in and out of positions. And essentially that's a machine learning algorithm that uses Twitter sentiment to, to determine when to buy if you're on accumulation or when to sell. Interesting. So we've got a guy on the team who's doing his PhD at the moment and running a bunch of genetic algorithms and backtesting. Um, and we've got a Calc strategy there running a lot of really exciting um, numbers. I won't link them now. You have to wait until they go live because we do want to test them and make sure they're good to go. But again, coming back to that standard retail investor who might not know when the best time is to buy, how much should they buy at this particular area, they can essentially say, hey, I'm going to put in this much money to crypto every fortnight when I get paid or every month when I get paid, we can take care of the rest. Uh, and again, 10x the value for being on chain. So long-winded introduction to our first two products that will be going live. That was amazing. And I, well, the first thing, I think it's great as, a, as somebody who does enjoy doing dollar cost averaging. The fact that you can just set it and say, I don't want to buy this day because they move 4% or something of that nature. I think that's a great little parameter that you guys have added. And also the Twitter, the Twitter sentiment thing. So how does that work? I, I want to ask you, just, I, I don't, I know you can't share too much as you mentioned, but I'm just saying on the, on, so is it more so looking at how often people are mentioning a certain token or um is it like seeing the waves in which people are mentioning things or is it like actually looking for negative negative wording or or i don't even know how you how you'd phrase that but trying to see individual tweets that are bearish per se versus bullish yeah i um i have to first start by saying i can't give away too much this is like <laughs> the, the secret sauce the ip again that we've been working pretty hard on um because essentially you know this is well yeah we'll do look Maybe the promise I can make to you is that we'll do a proper post after we go live and test the things, but I could maybe say, hopefully, I, yeah, I think I can say this is okay. Don't get yourself in um, trouble here, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But let's say there is some some mix akin to value averaging and DCAing, and then you combine that with some other factors and um, social sentiment on a particular asset. Uh, that probably doesn't make, probably makes it more confusing, but uh, that's me. It's my way of saying that some element to how people are responding to a particular asset through Twitter, and then some element of you know value averaging and uh, and DCA. So I can't give you the exact figures, but they've been looking pretty good. 
that's really cool and, and i look forward to the, the, the any post and in continuing media you guys publish on that i have to also ask you now I, we're going to shift a little bit more into cosmos anyways because you were at cosmoverse and mandolin I, I don't know if I pronounced that right, and I apologize if I just butchered it, <laughs> but I tried. Uh, I took Spanish for too long to to admit to, to not be pronouncing these things correct at this point. But anyway, <laughs> so you were there at Cosmoverse. I will start with this. What was the vibe like? How did you enjoy it? What was your experience? Maybe some of the things you took away from it, because I've had a couple of guests on, and everyone seems to be pretty positive from what they've taken away so far. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, you said you had uh, Sam from Local Money on last week or in the recording. Yeah, so I got to meet Sam in person. We had a, uh, a few good chats, a few dinners. I think the the key takeaway is it feels like there's quite a lot of excitement in the in the Cosmos ecosystem at the moment. A lot of really exciting projects, and you know, they've been obviously building a lot of good tech for a long time, and now they're thinking about how to commercialize it, you know, and how they set up other protocols for success. Um, so I think we're really starting to see that materialize uh, with the, the level of hype and level of excitement, but then the big names coming through as well. So my biggest advantage actually was actually going to meet people in person. Um, I mean, it's all well and good to chat on Telegram or chat on Twitter to, to profile picture. Um, but if you actually get to meet people in person and, uh, and you get to learn fun things, like you might not know, the, um, the founder of Injective Protocol is also a really good DJ. There um, you go. Fun fact, right? Um, but yeah, was just getting to meet. <laughs> yeah, he was DJing the closing party. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a huge dynamic of different teams spread out across the cosmos, but all sort of contributing to the same idea of uh, where Cosmos wants to get to. And a lot of excitement around you know, interchain queries, interchain accounts, um, and very much what I see the next challenge, at least for Cosmos, to move into, um, where I feel like Cosmos was, where um, it is an idea, but the implementation kind of feels like, you know, if you want to access Gmail, you have to download Chrome and then use Chrome. But if you want to go to Outlook or something else, you have to download Internet Explorer, or you have to download something else at Brave. Where I feel like that's kind of the situation we're in at the moment, but we're very much moving towards, you know, with that seamless access. And I'm very excited coming from that design, user experience, product perspective of like, what does that perfect layer look like such that, you know, in particular the retail investors, they don't even need to know that it's moving to a different blockchain or they're accessing something from here or there or understand they have a different wallet address, et cetera. What's that sort of perfect medium for them to interact and get value out of blockchain and, and crypto um, without having to deep dive into all that content? So for me, it's quite an exciting uh, area to look into and explore. Yeah, there's so much happening just in the, the Cosmoverse right now. And when i was in the crypto space and when i was even in terra luna or back back in the old terra days um just i feel like there was such a niche like i knew it existed but it just seemed so one step removed and it, it was a very niche community and i think in many ways they were were staying focused on a certain aspect uh for that time being and now i've just seen them flourish with like open arms a lot of these communities now and they're saying come to us we're building all these interesting things and i've seen them much be much more public in terms of you know uh you see you see the cosmos guys on things like bankless or just front facing on twitter um much less involved in their own little space and while uh, Cosmos, you know, it, as with any blockchain, it's not perfect, but I think there's a really interesting narrative going on here uh, that is now ready for the broader public. And I, I don't know if it was quite ready beforehand, because once again, you know, like I saw it in the background. I'm like, what is happening here? I didn't really understand it, though. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, we're a blockchain of blockchains or a network of blockchains. And um, 
we're basically building a bunch of cool stuff. Come on over. And I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> like this is, this is all of a sudden happening and real. And, and especially after the, the post terror crash. And I, I've, you know, I've, I've gone off on this tangent of a few times already in the podcast, but after the post terror crash, it's like, where am I going to look next? Or what else am I going to look around? And, you know, I see things like Kujira launching their own chain within like a month or two. And you're like, Hmm, that's interesting. So um, I am, I'm just very fascinated by this whole entire phenomenon that's played out with Cosmos. And I'm pretty excited to see where it continues to go. Um, I, I only think there's, there's positive things going on the up. But continuing into this Cosmos uh, discussion here, uh, let's look at Kujira. And I'm curious to hear what went into your thought process for hopping on the Kujira chain. You know, what drew you to Kuji? Um, was it about the community, the team behind it? Just give the overall story of that, that post-Terra collapse decision. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, surprisingly, a lot of people ask me that same question. You know, for us, it's actually a pretty easy decision. One, you know, the Kadira team are bloody good people. You know, they've got they want to do the right thing. Um, you know, they're not like, oh, it's a bear market now. We're not going to build anything. We'll wait till the next bull run. Right? They're out there already shipping, like turning around at their own, you know, blockchain in six weeks. Basically, unheard of. Um, two, you know, the way that they reacted to the Terra crash, being like, okay, clear plan. This is how we really communicate it. We'll snapshot everyone, airdrop the new tokens on the new chain, um, again, to come back and execute that. Very, very, very impressive. Um, and then three, you know, this kind of is a mix between the community, one being a large part of the Terra community moving to Kajura, they kind of went through the same experience and they understand, you know, this idea of like, you know, hectic inflation and pumping of tokens and all these kind of, you know, unfortunate things that happen in DeFi, you know, it's not sustainable. So we're really aligned, you know, building a, um, you know, a long-term investment protocol and product. We can't be around for six months, a year. We have to be around for a long time. Um, and that sustainability element really, you know, resonated with us on Kajira. Um, so, you know, to be honest, super easy decision. Team is uh, really quality, good people. The community has been through and have a good understanding of what it means to be sustainable. Uh, there's a green, the grown-up DeFi narrative, and we're very aligned with that. Um, and yeah, we plan on being around for a long time. And if you've listened to a lot of the more recent um, Kajira spaces, they talk about you know moving more into the real world around the side of payments and uh, interacting with the day-to-day -day and sort of bridging again what you know, Terra was looking at doing before. You know, how do we actually break the vacuum of just crypto and, and be in the hands of everyday users? I think uh, they're sort of, sort of moving down that path, and we find that quite exciting, right? Yeah, and, and I remember from my discussion with Dove on this podcast, shout out to that episode. Please go watch if you haven't already. But um, I remember just how forward-thinking he and his team were when it came to a lot of this stuff. And as you mentioned, the sustainability aspect, building for the longer term. Uh, and even now, like I remember back then we were speaking about governance. I know in the pre-chat we were talking about the Kujira Senate that was just proposed. Even then we were speaking about governance. He's like, you know what, like, I haven't really thought about it all that much, but we are looking at it and... Um, like in the Kujira Senate just came out a couple of days ago and recording this. And so, yeah, they, they really were looking at it and, you know, they were thinking ahead and they were thinking of, of new ideas and innovative ideas and something that I'm incredibly excited to see, you know, play out and what they come up with in the uh, end result of how this thing forms. But, um, yeah, it's great to hear that you guys both had your visions and ethos aligned. I can definitely tell from our conversation so far that, you know, you, you both, both projects share, uh, many of the similar values and, yeah, it, it really is just nuts how fast they said, okay, like Terra crashed, um, things don't look so great. Uh, not only just crypto, but financial markets in general, but we're going to carry on and keep building. And they did so in a very positive spirit. Um, the Code Hans memes still continued on. <laughs> <laughs> the community was still strong. And um, 
I, I'm once again, you know, as I mentioned with Cosmos, I'm also looking forward to continuing to follow uh, the growth and evolution of Kujira and see where things might go in the future. But Friction, I do want to bring this more now into the conceptual side of some things. And you, and you mentioned some of the issues with DeFi when you were bringing up Kujira, you know, looking at the sustainability model, some of the issues with, with the tokenomics of a lot of these protocols. But what do you think are some of the largest issues um, facing the broader DeFi space right now? Uh, maybe some of the ways in which you can remedy these and what can this space do better to be stronger going forward? A lot of very good questions. Um, so maybe... I think let's talk more from maybe a user adoption perspective because we touched on that before. I think that um, even like post terror crash, right? You know, how many, how much news and media did that get? You know, there are people that have no idea about crypto. They're like scam, hundred percent scam. You know, or just publishing. You know, people are losing money or people are being scammed. This or this token's gone to zero or you know why are people buying these NFT things? I feel like for me, I very much see that there is a, a eventual future in cryptocurrency. Um, and in some sort of financial capacity, whether it's DeFi or, or CeFi. And I feel like the recent crash has really put a dent on that from outside society. So the first lens people get to crypto is, again, it's a scam. I mean, that's going to be probably something a little bit difficult to overcome, and I find, you know, there's only some people willing to actually commit and learn a little bit more and get... And also, that's not to say that it's not a scam. There's definitely a lot of scam projects out there. Uh, so I think if we can get rid of them... Um, and then start making a better name and actually solving real world and, and um, actual use cases. I think that's where the, the adoption will come. Maybe more of a conceptual conversation around what entities should control that and what that looks like. And I think coming back to the governance, again, it's quite interesting. Right? Um, you know, is it going down the same path of moving to Senate or having different House of Representatives or mimicking the same sort of challenge that humans have been trying to solve for X amount of thousands of years? Um, how we control and make decisions collectively, you know, as a group, even when we disagree. So I'm quite excited to see what that evolution of governance looks like. And I mean, going through, for example, on the protocol side, which not as many people get experience to, another thing, like really small example, we were impressed by the Kajira team is we went through the first community grant proposal. We said, you know, what's a little bit difficult is anyone that votes no to this proposal, we have no way of understanding why. So we can't iterate on it. We can't improve it. We can't talk through it. Um, so we actually put a Medium article together to say, hey, it'd be really great if we can enable validators to not only vote, but then add a memo and then have that displayed and see who's voted yes, no. The Gujar team implemented that in two days, two days max, right? And just like, done, let's make it happen. Um, so again, coming back to the, they really are shippers and, and they make a lot of innovative decisions quickly. But again, coming back to the, yeah, the conversation around, you know, where DeFi is going to play, I feel like, again, from a kind of consumer retail perspective outside the space is very much like, what's the perception? What's the sort of brand image you're like too many times people have painted this this terrible picture of it being a scam or you get into a situation where you know one guy just made heaps of money off dogecoin and he's telling everyone about it and then everyone's thinking either jealous or like how did it also get in and then you know by the time they're hearing about it already too high along with that same situation that you know i feel victim to back in the xrp days um so i mean how does DeFi sort of mature enough such that it gets to the point where you know there's actually practical real world applications delivering value again in the real world. And people don't necessarily even need to know it's blockchain or crypto. I feel like moving away from that DeFi summer and Ponzi-nomic type thing into that real world and that grown-up um, approach is going to take some time. For me, again, like I said, very interesting challenge and something at the forefront of what Kajura is trying to solve. Yeah, and, and there's, there's also that focus there of ensuring that you have you know, the sustainability. What does that mean? It means 
you're generating actual revenue. Um, and this is something that, you know, Terra had done with, uh, well, instead of stakers receiving um, basically an inflationary token, if you're staking your Luna, you're receiving part of network fees. Uh, it's the similar, you get the similar basket with uh, Kujira. Um, basically the idea that like, we're, yeah, we're not going to offer some sort of arbitrarily set number of uh, thousand percent token giveaway, like inflationary. It, it, there's, there's this idea that, okay, we're going to work within our means here. Um, and it's sure that yes, the, the, the yield on this might not be as, uh, let's just say attractive as a thousand, you know, percent APY, but okay. But like, this is actual value accrual to the token holders. This isn't an inflationary sort of thing where, um, the token just keeps getting printed to infinity or you basically, you have to stake in order to hedge against network growth like that, uh, in terms of token growth and which also has major drawbacks on the downside when the market turns around. So, um, yeah, I, I, I do, I appreciate your answer on that. And, and I appreciate your philosophy, sharing your philosophy behind a lot of this, because uh, I think it's important. It's an important message to, um, continue to advocate for a more mature DeFi out of what we saw in, in DeFi summer way back when, uh, I say way back when, but it wasn't that long ago, but, um, just just seeing the space as a whole grow um and I, I think as we move so quickly in this space i think we will grow very fast and even moving to things like uh the house of representatives or, or more representative governance which i think makes a lot of sense in certain contexts maybe not in other contexts i think maybe in other contexts you know that flat hierarchy dao or or DAOs, you know are truly like input output based versus having representative based model but um, I think people are finally realizing like you can't have one blanket solution for everything or every business model. Um, certain missions need to adapt to the reality of how you make decisions as a group um, or how you move forward and ship products and actually build things. Um, I also I, I can appreciate now seeing these things, though, come to the forefront and actually get pushed forward. Uh, enough of me ranting on that, though. I do want to ask you now a little bit more of going back into the, the philosophical um, idea behind things. And as you mentioned with Calc, you really want to enable um, the, the sort, these sort of strategies in a decentralized environment in a way where people have that transparency. Um, and this is something I often ask guests, guests on the podcast. But what does the, uh, the word decentralization mean to you? Just give me a definition of what you think and how you're applying that into your broader project. I definitely agree with what you're saying before. I think you're spot on, Rick. Uh, but maybe even before we jump to that, maybe let's pause and I'll, I'll come and answer this question after because I do want to touch on one more maybe interesting thing. Uh, we talk about sustainability. Um, so, you know, in the Web3 space, it was, especially during the bull runs, it's not uncommon to see a project, not even have a website or a deck, raise heaps of capital spend more money hyping things up um, than even building a particular product. You know, launching a token before there's even any practical application, making heaps of money, you know, dumping on the early retail investors and, and sort of exiting, you know, quite exciting, made a lot of money, you know, the right thing to do, potentially not. We actually decided, you know, to flip that on its head um, from a Kelp perspective. So we decided to raise money from the community, but at bare minimum, only what we needed. The team's not even taking a salary to put the calc together. Um, so we've been working real overtime lately, to be honest, but um, we're going to deliver a quality product. And our sort of mantra behind that was, you know, coming back to in Web2 Lean Startup, if you're familiar with it, it's kind of like, what's the least amount of work you can do to validate an idea is going to be, it's going to work. And, you know, coming back to what you mentioned before around Luna Kajura, 
know, there's not this idea of inflationary tokens, you know, it's like when emissions run out is when the protocol stops. We don't want to be in that same situation. So instead, what we've done is we're going to launch. We're not going to launch with a token. We're not going to launch with any VC funding or capital funding. Um, we're going to launch the product. There'll be fees associated with some of the vaults. We'll see, you know, how many users are coming. Can it actually be sustainable in the long term? You know, can this protocol be around and potentially not even need a token? Um, and sort of just test the waters there to say, okay, this idea has been validated. We can continue to grow. We continue to build this good um, community around it. Uh, then we validate everything with that, you know, saying, you know, we don't know if it's going to work yet, but buy into the token. Um, that way we can get to a point, we can have more of a mature conversation around, you know, okay, you can now see a product that's actually delivering value. Um, again, we want to move back into what you talked about decentralization um, is how do we, one, have a really strong product vision when we begin. Um, because I feel like we need strong product leadership to actually deliver a product and put things together. Then two, you know, you launch your product and get uptake and traction, and then the community starts to grow, and you, know, you find people that share the same values and mission as we do. And not everyone's going to do that, but there will be a certain group of people that do. Um, and then you know that community continues to grow, and then we move into the fully decentralization phase, um, where I mean to come back to your answer, your question before, this idea of not having ownership. Or not having a single person in charge of making decisions, not having you know a situation where people can be easily corrupted, um, because you know I've been in lots of different countries, a lot of different governments, a lot of different ecosystems where you know corruption is running riot, and that you know that kills and crushes both the ecosystem of growth and innovation, but you know the livelihood of a lot of the people. So it's like unless you know this particular person, you can't get to this um, situation, or you know you don't even need to be the best; you just have to have the right context. Um, so this idea of moving to you know this sort of self-governing system where everyone can be involved, I think, is very appealing. And I guess coming back more from a personal perspective is when I was growing up, a longer story for maybe another longer time, but um, I didn't have the same access to you know like certain private schools or certain you know or even any private school or any types of things that you know going away in certain excursions or being able to go and do this. And you know my like my old man's just a primary school teacher, been a primary school teacher his whole life, didn't have a financial background, he didn't have a lot of this knowledge. Um, and me growing up, I said, didn't have access to that as well. And it wasn't until, you know, I started getting into DeFi, like, no, wow, this is really cool. You know, anyone can participate. Um, if you have an internet connection and some device to access that internet, and even a little bit of capital, you know, you can get exposure to whatever it might be. Um, so that sort of democratization, or democratization of um, these financial tools, I thought were very powerful. Um, but again, to the flip side, there does need to be some educational component um, such that you know, it's not luring people into a trap just to lose their capital to, to take it on the other end. Um, so to answer your question, the decentralization um, that we're really excited for, I guess, at Calc is you know, giving Calc to the community, having it governed by the community, and um, giving everyone a fair share of that value as well. So that's sort of what we're gunning for. I appreciate the, the transparency that you guys are, are really implementing here, especially with being just being strapped for like we're not taking VC funds for this where we literally just asked for the money we need to build the product um, and then going from there and, and then going to ship it for the community. Uh, I also appreciate the fact that you are not putting the, the cart behind the horse sort of thing uh, with a token horse behind the cart. I don't, I don't know if I just messed up that saying, but. You get, people, people will get it at home. But anyways, you know, not launching a token right away, um, as we've seen countless times, if people have been active in the space, people just will launch a token. Uh, they'll have some promises on the roadmap. Things might get delayed. They get delayed again. They get delayed again. They get delayed again. Uh, and you have to constantly sit in that limbo of 
okay, when is this thing actually going to get shipped? What is the purpose of this token? Um, and then really becomes the question, you know, why did this token even exist to begin with? Um, why didn't they just have these things ready to go at first? So I, I appreciate your philosophy behind that as well, because once again, it shows a maturing ecosystem, I think, for Kujira. It shows that they want to have products uh, and invite products and have products on their platform build. And then also with you guys, you know, partner with products that are thinking in the same mindset and want to build sustainable, long-term, real-world solutions. Um, and then just finally going into that last aspect of the educational point, you know, bringing uh, what, you know, financialization has unfortunately seeped into everyone's life in one way or another just because of the nature of money right now in these days. Um, you know, I think COVID, when money printer go burr, uh, <laughs> things go crazy. I mean, the thing valuations don't make sense anymore. I mean, now we're seeing the after effects of what that means between the relation of like something like the U.S. dollar versus other foreign currencies. Um, it, it really causes problems in the world, and it, it's all about you know we if if we can f make an impact and continue to educate people on what these things mean, um, how it's affecting their life, and whether this leads them down the crypt crypto rabbit hole or not, or the Bitcoin rabbit hole, or wherever they end up, um, or even they go to like uh, precious metal stocks whatever at least they gained from this like okay something isn't quite right here and people now more than ever i think have to pay attention to the financial markets whether they like it or not yeah i mean rick i have to say i definitely agree with you i mean you speak to most people they don't even know what inflation is oh, they've heard about this word before but you know it's not like you know inflation let's say it's five percent if you're not earning five percent more you actually take a five percent pay cut even like that simple principle of like where you park your money and what you do with it. I feel like, you know, you've got this group of people that might not be interested or have a fair education in that topic, you know, and they have the device opening up by the people that kind of empower and they kind of know what they're doing. And maybe the second thing to add to that is like, you know, if we're a team that want to do the wrong thing, it's actually much easier to say, okay, get some hype, let's raise heaps of money. And again, as you said before, we can just deliver one thing and then an exciting roadmap and then slowly shift away. That's it. It's an easy way to to make a fair amount of money in a short time, you know, and do nothing. But it's not what we're here for, you know. It's not a not a bull market where we're just trying to take advantage of people. We're here to build and, and bear or bull. And you know, I'm a firm believer. It's like one: do we deliver value? Two: do we earn the right to charge for that value? If those two things are satisfied, then this can be sustainable. This idea can be sustainable. Maybe not directly straight away, but in the long term. And I think you see that with Kajura. You know, even the APYs one, two, three percent, etc. You know, they're putting all the things in place to, to turn that into something uh, a lot bigger into into the future and it continues to grow and I think it was it was below it was below a, uh, it was below one percent at one point I think not so long ago so now I, I don't know what are we sitting at over two percent today I think right so yeah it's just been watching it slowly creep up um, and I, I have full faith that they will continue to deliver in, in that aspect um, but let's move into calc finances uh, roadmap short to midterm. What should people look out for? What should be the uh, big announcements? Yeah, just give a rundown of what people should keep an eyes eyes out for for uh, the next few months. Yeah, yeah, great question. Uh, so we haven't actually we've been we've been building like crazy. So we haven't actually spent much time in the marketing or the communication side, but hopefully that will start to change. We uh, I think just today we uh, did a bit of a Twitter leak on um, part of the UI. Oh, very nice. Yeah, so if you haven't checked it out, check it out. I saw your website um, recently, and I thought because I, I knew you just launched that as recently as well, and that looked nice. 
Okay, so we'll just do a real quick walkthrough of um, what we we're kind of touching on before, uh, what the MVP is going to be released as. So again, this is on testnet. A lot of these tokens are made up, so you can kind of just ignore them. Let's say you've got one, like I say, it's got 10 of these demo tokens and you want to invest in some Kajura. Um, so again, 10 demo with into Kajura. You have a few options. You can start the strategy immediately. If you don't want to, you can start based on asset price, maybe start based on asset time, et cetera. Uh, for this example, we'll keep it, keep it straightforward. Uh, you choose hourly, daily, weekly, or monthly, um, how much demo you want to purchase each time. Let's say three demo, let's say it's two demo, you've got five swaps will take place over five months. Let's say it's hourly, just in, let's say daily for now. Um, and then again, coming back to that DeFi composability we were talking about before is you know, no longer you using a sex to leave it parked on the exchange, but now you know you can come and say, you know, I might want to auto stake. Um, so you can choose a particular validator. Uh, That's really choose, cool. This one for now. Um, next, and then we come back and, and play it back to you know give a really simple, simple term. So you're depositing ten demo into the DCA invault, starting immediately. Calc will swap around two demo for Kajira um, every day for five days. After each swap, Calc will automatically stake your tokens with the validator you've chosen, etc. Agree to terms, condition, sign, um, etc. So it's a, a small sample of what will be ready come MVP. And then on top of that, an important aspect of that is the backtesting element. So we'll also have you know, an analytics dashboard. We can track, you know, what's your average buy price? How long has it been running for? Um, what's that look like as a graph? How are you accumulating over time? Um, you know, let's say you did want to make the edit to say, if the price does move 10%, don't buy on that day. How's that actually worked out compared to the average? And what does that look like? Um, so that will be our initial MVP for Go Live, which will be mid-November. We're um, just waiting on some audit quotes, which should be kicked off hopefully shortly. Um, post that, what's on the roadmap is the, again, general message passing needs to be um, wrapped up by the Axo team. Once that's done, we can integrate in Mikado, and then we can now move from your bank account directly onto Chain. So it's a whole, it's a next level, next step um, of customers that can, can access the product. Um, then we'll look at moving, you know, going a bit um, IBC. So you might want to have Adam and maybe stake Adam on a different chain, or you might want to access a different yield strategy on a different chain. We'll start to continue to build that out. Um, then after that, later in the year, I think around December, Mark, we should be releasing the DCA plus strategy, which is the machine learning um, algorithm that I touched on before. We want to make sure that's that's solid and robust before we go live with it. Um, then, you know, we've had this really interesting discussion with all of our customers. So maybe another unique thing about Calc is we spoke to, I think, like 74, you know, 30-minute user interviews. We spoke to people from Argentina, from Germany, from Japan, from Australia, from the United States, Canada, UK. Um, to understand, you know, what's their perception of DCA? What do they want to do? Um, how do they approach assets? And I think an interesting challenge for us to tackle is this concept of, you know, if you buy, again, maybe move back to Luna. If you bought Luna, at, you know, thirty cents, or you bought Luna at hundred dollars. If in the end of the day it goes to zero, it doesn't really matter, you know, what your average buy is. So it's this idea of like, what are the right assets, and what's the right mix to have a, an appropriately, you know, diversified portfolio. So, you know, another hot topic in the Cosmos were the Ion DAO introducing the yet to be named IBC index, um, LUM introducing DeFact or Defract, um, and then a few other projects kind of, you know, DeBank, I think are doing something very similar. This concept of having this one index or two index where it's kind of governed by a DAO, where we thought, you know, is there a unique play where you know, everyone has different opinions, the more sophisticated, you know, they might want to have. You, know, you might have X percent allocated to Kajura, X percent to Oslo, X percent to Luna, X percent to Ethereum. You know, can we actually enable people to have control over their own sort of spot index of a type? 
um, and then to start DCIing into that and then start leveraging the products from there. So I think it's very much the, the, the space we're going to explore after we have the um, DCA plus strategy that and the full integration from the Cardo money. Um, and maybe I should mention as well, given that Sam was on last week, um, we did have a few dinners and we had a few a few really good ideas and I think um, very respecting what the local money team are doing. So if KYC is not your thing, uh, you don't use Cardo money, then you always have the option to um, swap peer-to-peer on, on local money. So we'll be working with some teams to integrate that. And then maybe Alpha, maybe not Alpha. There's um, a particular, there's a few Kajira teams we're looking to work with, hmm. um, building on protocol, um, building their protocols on Kajira. Um, so there may or may not be uh, a unique concept of this sort of same sort of index idea, but maybe more around a space of, of raises, if that gives away enough information. Um, and then, you know, there's a few other things that we're looking at, you know, around potential, you know, them on the marketing side, there's a protocol being built on Kajira, you know, could be some integrations there, et cetera. So I think that's all I'll say for now, but um, we're very much looking at taking that sustainable approach. Um, we're here to build for a long time, not just a good time, not just a short time, hopefully a good and a long time. And um, yeah, if we, again, coming back to the idea, if we can validate one, the product delivers value, customers love it, two, we earn the right to charge for that value, um, then that gives us the, you know, the all clear to say, okay, we can raise some capital now, um, build out the team and, and actually start to, to put some really solid stuff together um, that will eventually, you know, take over the cosmos. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for the demo as well. I mean, just it looks sleek. It looks really nice. And it looks super simple too, which I think all of which are, are appreciated. And for those who might not be crypto native and still want to get in on like dollar cost averaging or just figuring this stuff out, I think, I mean, it looks, especially with your integrations, I mean, Kato, which will be easy, few clicks, um, you know, you know, the KYC as well. But, and then you also have the local money integration as well for those who might not want to KYC. Um, I think it's just incredibly cool. And then, as you mentioned, you guys have a ton of stuff going on and I, I really appreciate that. And it is, it is fascinating to see all of a sudden just out of, out of what was, you know, a terrible, terrible time back way back in May when, when Terra crashed to see all of this stuff and innovation um, just blooming out of nowhere, it seems, or just, just coming back with a roar. Uh, I love to see it. And, and I know that this, I, I feel very confident this ecosystem is going to continue to expand, especially after um, the last, last 50 or so minutes of this call. Uh, Friction, before we wrap up here, as I do this with every single guest, I spend some time, uh, I, I spend some time thinking, I think really hard about what would be the perfect fun fact question for people to get to know you outside of crypto? Sometimes I don't even know. Remember, I don't even remember writing these half the time. Um, actually, this week is a normal one, so you know you got <laughs> you got one that's a little bit less on the weird scale for for my for my uh, thought process here. But uh, the fun fact question I have to ask for you this week is: What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, I guess. Um... That's a, that's a good question. <laughs> what kind of, uh, maybe what area of advice? I got a lot of advice. I've made a lot of uh, wrong decisions in my life, I'd say. Um, but maybe we can, be P- we can keep it PG-13 rated. Um, <laughs> PG-13 is fine. Maybe. Yeah, all right, cool. Let's start off with um, maybe, maybe a good friend of mine once said to me, um, you know, it's a bit of a lame quote maybe, but, um, you know, fail to prepare, prepare to fail. So I feel like, you know, I don't know why, but being kind of young, that kind of hit me. I was like, wow, you know, actually, that's so true. You know, just have to be prepared for everything. Um, so I think that's actually had a surprisingly large impact on my life. 
um, which again, coming back to this, it's like it's not quite exciting for a PG-13. I feel like that sort of led me to, you know, doubling down, doing a lot more due diligence, a lot more research, kind of preparing for a lot of the stuff before I go into it, um, which almost is a counter quote for not preparing for this question. But um, maybe a more more interesting... Actually, may, look, we'll keep it PG-13. No, 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 no. Like, you can keep going. Go. I, I, I don't, <laughs> I mean, we, don't, we don't have any sort of rating on this. This is not a kid's show. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like maybe... Uh, no, nah, I can't. I can't is it, is it in the realm of like ladies' liquor leverage? <laughs> it could, yeah, it could very well be. <laughs> <laughs> Not a problem. Not a problem. But hey, I appreciate I appreciate uh, you sharing sharing your your piece of advice. What your buddy told you there: prepare to fail and fail to prepare. I think you know that rings true in a, in a lot of instances and cases. Um, before we wrap up here, friction. I want to thank you so much for your time. Um, but just quickly, do you mind plugging your socials? Where should people go to learn more about Calc? Uh, how can they get involved with the community and basically what's the best place to send people? Yeah, excellent. Um, so socials would be at calculated underscore phi on Twitter. Um, calculated dot phi is actually the URL as well for the website. Um, if you jump on the Kajura Discord, Kelk has a channel in there and we've actually just launched the Telegram community chat. Uh, I can't tell you I know what it is off the top of my head, but maybe we can uh, post in the video in the description or something. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're super open to engaging the community. Again, Kelp is built by the people for the people. We took on, you know, again, 73, 74 one-on-one -on -one interviews of people wanting to see this, change that, get used to that, ask for this. Um, and we're going to continue to build that human-centered design approach um, being customer-centric. So any feedback, you just want to come have a chat, we're all open. Um, you know, got some guys who speak French, Spanish. My Spanish isn't that great, but I can try to get on, on board. Um, and then obviously English, and we're spread out across the world, so a bunch of different time zones. Um, so yeah, come down, check it out. We're going to start ramping some exciting things up. You'll see a lot more stuff come from our, our Twitter profile um, until the lead up to the launch mid-November. And I guess before I wrap it up, I do want to say, Gravidel and Rick, thanks for having us on here. Really, uh, really great to come on and just have this candid chat. Let it flow, very natural, which we appreciate. And uh, hopefully, yeah, we get to get to chat again in the not too distant future. For everyone listening or watching, wherever platform you're doing this on, everything will be in the show notes. So, Friction, thank you again.